Welcome to another episode of Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we discuss horror and media. And tonight, light your lanterns, do not drink the Kool-Aid, and deny your invitation as we dive into The Invitation. I'm Mitch. I'm Mer. I'm Justine. And I'm Jonathan. Colts. Yeah, yeah. Colts. Colts. Colts are fucked. Sometimes. Or are they actually probably always, actually. Uh, uh yeah, majority of the time but it depends on what you define as a cult yeah really though i mean isn't that i mean because if you're in the cult you don't think you're part of a cult we're part usually of a not <laughs> usually not you're not yeah it's you're a not. community not it's a, a community. cult yeah that's what they want you to think i just think of that frank ocean line it's a it's a cult not a click dang <laughs> oh that's right I, I forgot about accurate that accurate description of la oh oh yeah there's literally all of the people involved in film are involved in a cult, whether they realize it or not. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> so and sometimes it's more culty than others. Yeah. I've heard my fair share of human sacrifice stories. <laughs> Yo, that, that conspiracy is something we need to discuss at some point. The, the, about all the celebrities eating people. Like you know, the cannibalism. It, it'd be a good topic for our new segment right. that's coming up soon. Oh, yes. Also, this is the first episode of the new season. It is. Woo! It is. So, season three? No. Well, <laughs> call it season three. Season three. We're going to call it. Yeah, let's go with season, season three. three. Yeah, season it's season three. three. Season two happened. Yeah. Yeah, we just didn't tell you. <laughs> but it's fine. <laughs> Everything's fine. Yeah. So this new season, we're going to be looking at a lot of different broad topics across different genres. But as well as sticking to our bread and butter of horror. Yeah, we're going to be making a series of sub-segments for the show in addition to our main podcast line with we're doing the We keep uh, finding ourselves wanting media. to talk about other things. Yeah, I think there's a sci-fi segment coming up. Yeah. There's a conspiracy segment. There's a monsters. There's a cryptids. Yeah. There's video games. Mm-hmm. I'm 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 working on that. I I want to do a stream of me playing Alien Isolation so that people can watch me poop myself. That'd be dope. The maybe, whole time. Maybe some anime here and there. Be sweet. Because our weebs care about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm surprised that we have not touched a lot of anime. There's because, a lot of horror. Anime. There is a lot I'm of horror pissed anime about that, that actually. I have and a few good. We all watch a lot, so yeah. this is surprising. Bunch of weebs. But yeah, we're gonna be looking at like more newer films as well as a little bit more of the classics. Just. A lot of stuff that people want us to talk about that is coming out and making them be like, where the fuck is the episode, bro? So it's coming. We just got to watch it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I give myself a couple hours every week to watch it. You just have to wait. Sorry. I'm slow. I'm a turtle. You're a Taurus. Well, that's fair. Yeah. We got Real. two Tauruses on this podcast. They take their time. Yeah. <laughs> and this Gemini is too unfocused to actually get anything done. But Libra, what's up with you, huh? He's just trying to hold I'm it all together. <laughs> He's trying to hold it all together. You know, I mean, with this with this whole discussion going on, maybe we should turn to Murr and be like, give us some production notes on this 2015 movie. Yeah. Wow, so wow. back to the invitation. Yeah. 2015 feels like forever ago, which is oh weird. yeah, it is weird. weird. It was forever ago. Yeah. Here yeah. in 2022. Oh whoa! This the, last year felt like. It was 10 years. It was so, it felt so long. Yeah. We're out of that shit now and into the future. Right. Yeah, exactly. Talking about an old movie from the past. <laughs> you know what? I feel like the invitation is, is somehow it's still relevant and it's kind of creepy that it's still relevant. Yeah. And we'll, we'll talk about why. <laughs> uh, so the invitation, just like Mitch said, it came out in 2015. It was directed by Karen Kusama. 
You. And if you don't know her, we have talked about one of her films prior to the past. She directed Girl Fight as well as Aeon Flux, but she's most known for doing Jennifer's Body. Yeah. And then she also did Destroyer a couple years later. After Destroyer, people have to go watch that movie. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. Go watch it. It's a really fucking good movie and highly underrated. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, Kusama, like, she, she didn't really have that much, like, backing, so she had to look for outward sources for uh, budget on this one. But the film does star Logan Marshall Green, who we have also talked about on a previous episode. He plays the main character in Upgrade. And I was telling John, it's just fun to see Logan Marshall Green get his wife taken from him and everything we talk about. No. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. that's literally the plot of the other movie we talked about. And yeah. you're just like, oh, damn. So now in this movie, you get to see him be a cuck. Yeah. You, you just <laughs> Just kidding. He's not a cuck in this movie, but he uh, might as well be. <laughs> I mean, just, you know, man, you look like a real like sad guy who would be really sad that your girlfriend's gone. Like in every movie, though. Typecasted. The, the most fucked up premise of just that his his kid fu- spoiler his kid fucking dies like way before the movie even starts and then his wife is just like denying it and joining a cult with her crazy husband and they're like let's fucking murder every one of our friends oh yeah <laughs> so Super it'll work it's fine and the uh the, the ex-wife in in uh congruence with this is played by tammy blanchard she plays edie or eden eden uh, we also got Michael Huseman pl- from who plays David, but I recognize him as the main character in The Haunting of Hill House, yep. the Netflix oh, series. Yeah. He plays the main guy that's a writer that is just a, a joke of, of uh, Stephen King. Basically, <laughs> where they're like, I love your books. And he's like, yeah, it's all real, you know? And they're like, no, it's not. What are you lying? <laughs> but he he plays David in this. This was the same year as The Haunting of Hill House came out. So he was, oh, he was just gotcha. doing horror that year. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'll, you should also note that the writer or one of the writers is Kusama's husband. He's yes. often uh, worked with her on her films and usually co-writes with one of his buddies. Yeah, it it was also co-wrote with Matt Manfredi. That dude, Manfredi. Manfredi, yeah. <laughs> he, I feel like he doesn't get nearly as much credit because he's usually a co-writer with her husband. Okay. But they usually will write things together, and then Kusama directs it, which is kind of dope. That's really sweet. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. That warms my heart. Um, but because Kusama is at the, the head of most of the films, people will usually not fund it, which is fucked. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, I, I think we were talking about this, that everyone really just knows her from Jennifer's body. Right. And yeah. after that drop, no one cared. Well, what it, yeah, we, we talked about it on the episode when it first came out, not popular. But then several years later, they revisited it and they're like, actually, people were not prepared for this film when it came out because of the feminist ideas that we saw in it. And it's become a cult classic. Yeah, I think the same could go for this movie as well. The Invitation. Right. Because we didn't really even watch it until this year, did we? It was well, technically uh, 2020. Right. Just, w- towards the end of last year, um, I had I had wanted to watch it because um, I had done a few reports and essays and stuff for school on Kusama. And I was like, OK, I need to watch The Invitation. Um, I watched Destroyer like not long before that. But The Invitation was something that got looked over because people or critics, mostly men, were saying that they felt the movie was incomplete or that it didn't really bring anything new to the genre. Uh, and so they were usually criticizing it, saying that it was anything special and that it was too slow. I mean, we were watching it uh, prior to the recording and it took an hour in before 
things were picking up, but it's a slow burn, and that was the style that they were going for. With yeah, it. yeah, she definitely was going. I think for that. if this movie was just a movie about a cult killing, then it would be different. But it wasn't meant to be an action movie. This was supposed to be more of a right. psychological thriller. And that right. you're put in the role of the character and experiencing this anxiety that's building up throughout the whole encounter. Yeah, I want to dive into that, but I'm going to wrap up on notes real quick. This premiered in South by Southwest in 2015. and um, Actually did really well at South by Southwest. Yeah, but it didn't do good at the box office. Holy nope. shit. Yeah, um, they lost a lot of money. The budget was $1 million, and I'll end it off with it making $354,000. It was a flop due to the distribution. Uh, the reason why specifically was because it was privately funded. So through like a few different people who donated money, they kind of left her alone while she was making the film. So they didn't have any final say on the editing. When she brought in the final film to show it, the people who were going to do distribution cut it like nearly in half. So when they was when the movie was getting released, it's why no one ever heard about it. Because it didn't get sent to all the theaters that it was supposed to. It got like a limited release and then went straight to DVD. The so they lost like, money on they're it. They're just like on their own little island like, fuck, we have this film done and no distribution basically. Yeah, there's been this kind of weird thing surrounding um, Kusama, which is something similar that happened to like Bigelow. She's uh, one of the other like famous directors who was making movies. And she was often having her funding cut like really privately or quietly by one of the executives that would be a part of the films. And they usually did this because they thought it wasn't good enough. And then it would get released and then always fall into some sort of cult status. So a we're, running we're, we'll, theme. We'll have, we'll have to see if this will happen with the, the invitation going into the future. It I mean, did have a lot of highly rated reviews from fans. Like people did like this movie when it came out. It's always the critics, right? We're, well, we, <laughs> I mean, we are we're we're living in a world now where like the the dollar is like the, I guess you could say it's like the uh, the goal in mind. How right. much money am I going to make off of this? Absolutely. We don't have we AKA don't have Marvel risk movies. takers in like Hollywood or even in like the music business anymore. Mm -hmm. They're like, is this the same type of shit that's been getting hits before? Sweet, then we're just gonna keep rolling with that. Or we want to do something different. Sorry, buddy. That's a little bit more money than I'm willing to put up for this. Right. Gonna, I mean, yeah. you just think about how all of these award shows go. The Grammys, the Academy Awards, the Oscars. It's not necessarily a measure of your artistic integrity and what sort of things you've pioneered or anything groundbreaking you've done. It's really more about how much money did your product bring in? And we'll give you a little status award for that, for giving us a lot of money in return. We want to make sure we have a safety net. Exactly. So we're going to make a seventh or eighth Transformers movie, right? <laughs> they really did go hard on those Transformers movies when it first came out. But that's because, um, uh, wow, I'm forgetting his fucking name. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. I like pushed him out of my mind because I was like, I do not want to fucking watch Michael Bay movie. <laughs> but you know what? Michael Bay is now turned into a director like Zack Snyder, where you should know what you're expecting when you go in to watch a Zack Snyder film. It's not going to be serious. It's all action. It's huge. And if you do that, you'll enjoy the movie. Otherwise, you really shouldn't be looking for some analysis on anything they make, really. Right. It's just money, money, money talks, right? They, and they make a lot of money <laughs> making these films. Like that zombie film we watched yeah. not long ago. What is it? Army, Army, of, the Army Dead, of the Dead. Which is actually an enjoyable movie if you know that it's not serious. Otherwise, you're just kind of like, I'm, uh, I mean, I guess maybe Wonder Woman was an exception to that. Like the first Wonder Woman movie. Segment. Yeah, we'll discuss it. <laughs> I'm going to segue over here. What's up, Mitch? What's up, dude? Talk about the plot. 
The plot. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> the plot. Oh yeah. So the to break down what the invitation is in 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 all of it is you've got. I'm forgetting the name of some of these characters because I just watched this movie. Will. We Will. got Will. There we go. Yeah, Will. His child has died in an unfortunate party accident, it seems, with another child. I guess another kid hit him with a bat. A and killed him, and yeah. And just killed him like that. Fucking but, gnarly. Yeah. They didn't really go into too much I kind of like detail. it being vague, though. Yeah, it was yeah. pretty vague. I mean, and then you have, um, so he's, you know, and then he gets invited to this party with all of his friends. It's like two years later, I want to say. Yeah. His wife yeah. left him after. Yeah. The, after the whole thing. They story. had away and went them. to some sort of cult in Mexico and then comes back married to this Charles Manson looking yuppie. Mm-hmm. David. Yeah. David. David. It's kind of <laughs> fucked, too, because he has to go to this party in a house he used to live in. Yeah. With her. That's so weird, yeah. And then and the and then they bring that in too, where he um, is expecting doors to be in certain yeah, locations and, they and they're not up. there, and they there's bars on all the, the windows and everything. And those bars look really pretty, though. Just yeah, saying. they are really it's pretty. A fa- bars. It's a fancy version of your your bars and windows and like ghetto neighborhoods. It's a very yeah, fancy trap, but you know they right. also oh, live. There you go. Yeah, they live probably in the hills, the Hollywood hills. Yeah, which I'm is very assuming they did. Not somewhere you'd expect to see bars on windows. That's the place you see the all like glass window walls and houses. Yeah, yeah just like you throw a rock and everything's broke. Pretty much. <laughs> That's actually a really good point, Mitch. They kind of set it up to be a trap mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. specifically added in measures where you could not yeah, get out of the it, house. Instead of doing like those weird like prison bars that they put on yeah. like probably like orphanage homes or something yeah. like that, I would imagine to keep kids the inside. Iron. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> instead, they're just like, Oh, it's very nice and leafy and floral looking. This isn't yeah. to trap you. This is to make things pretty. I mean, <laughs> they even they even bring it up in the film because uh, David is seen multiple times locking the doors. Yeah, yeah. So this is. I feel like the locking of the door was probably. We already knew the dinner was weird. Like when yeah. they got there and everyone's acting weird, you get the awkward hugs. But when he locks the door and Will is really like, "Why are you locking doors?" That's kind of the first moment you get like a bit of anxiety. For the film, which then just ramps up as the film goes through it. There were several times where I would hear dialogue from two certain characters. I'm like, I would have fucking left right there. Yeah, there's moments in this film. This really presses the idea of how, like, where's your comfort zone sort of at and whether or not you would, like, move from that. So that kind of, so that makes me think about the the questions that I had for you guys for the film, which is going to be. How do you think the tension was brought about? Like, how? what did they do in the film to make the tension get higher and higher? And, like, what really drove home that feeling of anxiety while you were watching it? Well, I would say a lot of it is in the subtle moments that happen. Like, you said this is a very slow-burning movie, and so there's not a whole lot of obvious, exciting things that are going on. But, you know, definitely the overall tension when they first arrive is definitely there. Most of these people haven't seen each other in years. Yeah. And all of a sudden they're being invited. But I think probably the one moment that really started to turn the tables was when they played that uh, video for all of them. Um, it was oh, one of their, yeah. I don't know, cult training videos and their their doctor guru guys talking about transcending death or something like that. And there's this woman who's like on her deathbed, literally, and they show her passing away. She looks like she's in her mid-30s. Yeah. She's very young. She looked maybe sick, like she had cancer or some sort of poisoning. I was thinking at first cancer, but then considering how the movie went, possibly she voluntarily was taking a slow-acting poison. Right. 
Oh, that's interesting. I didn't think about that because we really don't know why she's dying mm-hmm. or if she was or if they had voluntarily taken something that would kill them in front of everybody. Right. Because I, I imagine something about their teaching has to do with like absolution and reaching some sort of ascension. And by doing this, voluntarily giving your life and also taking the lives of others, which is happening, would happen in that moment if she did take some sort of poison. True. I hadn't even considered that. Uh, there was a lot of things in the film that I didn't notice the first time I watched it. It yeah. took several viewings of it to be like, oh, wow, they were very direct about the lines that get delivered and then things that are happening like in the background or like certain, at certain characters times. like touching each other or something. Yeah. there. So there's a, a scene later in the film where um, he sees the the wife go out to her room while while Will is standing outside. And she it looks like she was probably checking the hills to see if other people had lit the red lantern yet. Yeah. And that's probably what she was doing. She was going there to check it, but didn't know that he was watching her. And then he actually sees the husband go out with the red lantern at some point and watches him light it, but he doesn't notice him. I knew in that moment, that was kind of a, kind of like a beacon of Gondor kind of shit where like he lit it. And uh, everyone's like, the beacons is lit. Go, go, go. Literally. That's <laughs> what I wonder if they were supposed to be the ones to do it. Or if there was someone else, Kind of like who starts it, like who started the mm-hmm. right? Because like, they were all, I guess, supposed to drink poison and die. I mean, maybe I think that's personally the way they wanted to go. Right. I think the objective was mainly just to kill yourself and kill your guests. Yeah, because I know at the towards the end, the wife is having some sort of regret about what she's doing. Definitely. Like she says specifically, she doesn't want to do it this way, which means she was probably against violence to begin with, and that's why she went with poisoning. Because in her mind, that was a. Um, what is it? A more merciful death. More humane. Way, yeah, maybe? more humane. <laughs> um, I love that Mitch mentioned that he thought it was about vampires. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. The whole time. The whole because time. Because his wife approaches them, she should have fangs. If that lady had fangs, I'd be convinced she was no. a vampire. Just the smiles and everything. These people are out for blood. I Plus love she, that you mentioned it. Eden. She's coming out in this white right. dress. You know, I mean, and it's not just that that builds up the um, the tension in this movie. It's it's pretty much a lot of it's from Will's perspective. Yeah, like him just like watching everyone do everything. His facial expressions when everyone's talking to him. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and then they kind of give you like at first it's just a dinner party. Everyone's acting a little overly polite and weird. I love and then, that. I love when Will is like, "Why is everybody being so fucking polite?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it's and it's strange. It, it's it should be strange, obviously. But I mean, of course, you know, this is gaslighting the movie. So everyone says, "Will, you're the crazy one." The whole time. And you question him towards the end of it, too. Yeah. When fucking Choi shows yeah, up. Yeah. yeah after so. he confronts them. And you're just like, no, he can't be wrong. So yeah. one of the guests comes to the party and she's complaining that her boyfriend is late to the party or he was supposed to be there already. So they're like, oh, yeah, he's probably just doing something running late. And then Will goes to check his phone because there's no service up there for the majority of the time. But he happens to get a bar somewhere and checks right. his voicemail. Receives voicemail from Choi saying that he's good. He's already arriving around like seven before anyone got there. And he's like, "Can you pick up dessert? I'm here early for once." Mm-hmm. And then that's that's when I was just like, "Yo, he's dead in the basement or something." Yeah, shit. me too. I was like, "Dang, they got him first. Yeah, he really does go up there and confronts them though, where he's like, "Where's Choi?" And like, fucking loses his shit. And then I was he, so it, happy at that moment. God. Yeah, because he fucking is like, "Yo, you need to stop lying to yourself." Ooh, but there was a moment before I wanted to talk about too. Mm-hmm. Is one of the other women who were there, and she left the party early yeah and they were basically like no no stay like sit down i'm pretty sure she got murdered 
by that dude. Yeah, because then this John Wayne Gacy dude, who I guess was from the <laughs> cult that showed up to the party too, goes out to walk her to her car, and Will's obviously suspicious, as he should be. It's uh, John Carroll Lynch as Pruitt. Yeah, Pruitt. Oh, Pruitt. That who, dude is, is who is the hippie girl? Hulking mass uh, of like, scariness right there. Is it Claire or Gina? She plays Sadie. Sadie. Oh, Sadie. Lindsay Burge as Sadie. She looks like a cult member. Yeah. Like straight up. <laughs> like she, she looks like this was just her every day just coming uh, yeah, to work. Yeah, a little bit manic. It was the bare feet for me. Yeah. It was the bare feet. <laughs> that's true. Everybody but her had shoes. That's, that's the thing, though. This is a dinner party for people who haven't seen each other in two years to get back with each other. And like, and hey. then the, here's these two random people right. that are from their like, Even Will was like, how do you know them? <laughs> so, yeah. so the film is is definitely a slow burn. I love that Mitch mentioned the vampire specifically because she was influenced by the movie Let the Right One In, which is ah, about vampires. Interesting. So the original one, not the remake that they made. I mean, that States. makes sense why she would have all of these characters be acting as if they're looking hungry at everyone. Yeah. <laughs> they, pre, they prelude to this vampire thing a lot because uh, they – very much focus on the shot of uh right when will gets there they hit a coyote on the way up yeah. he has blood covered on him and she like makes sure to get it off of him yeah and you don't, that's you don't true. see that as well as there's a part where everyone is trying to kind of do their own thing at the party and will comes across sadie just manically trying to make like really big mouth gestures like she was going to eat something yeah, yeah they also when will is sort of having basically an anxiety attack at the table while they're eating dinner they focus in on the facts that they are eating like they see like chewing swallowing oh, yeah. the noise goes up too which is one of the things that will happen when you're having an anxiety attack is that everything becomes overwhelming the, the, mm-hmm. and they focused in on that so you do really get this idea that either they're gonna eat <laughs> their guests <laughs> or that it's some sort of vampire yeah i, I don't story. i don't know why i immediately went to vampire it's yeah. just how people looked they just looked thin and they looked smiley and <laughs> yeah. i'm just like you know you know there's uh you know the um what is it the for the ferengi the Ferengi say. The now, what now? The Ferengi the what say, now? say, you know, the wider the smile, the sharper the knife. Ooh. Interesting. So, um, well, yeah. I wanted to bring anyway, this up. anyway, that's some Star Trek nonsense. But. I wanted to bring this up because you didn't catch it, and it made me feel very amateur of you. No offense. Oh, okay. Ooh. Sorry. Uh, you're like, they're fucking vampires, and there's a shot where Will is talking to David, and you could 100% see David's reflection in the mirror. Oh, oh wow. wow! Oh, I've been defeated. calling you out. Calling me out. Yeah, no. All right. So, I mean, I I just kind of expected something crazy and fantastical yeah. to happen, which is why I kept throwing my vampire predictions at the movie I, the whole time. Just Dean and I watched it together, and we really could not figure out what was going to happen. So I do enjoy that the last thirty minutes or so is just a wild ride because um I'm we I think we're all a fan of slower movies like the slow burn is not really a thing that bothers you Mm -mm. but i know that if uh um like your everyday moviegoer is going to go watch it they're like this is too long i don't want to sit through that and it's like so this is what what it's really getting at is the tension and the stressors that get to some of these people and this one deals with really big ones so what do you guys think it says about like anxiety and stress and grief like he has to deal with the loss of his child one thing is that the anxiety that one person experiences is very unique and personal to themselves and no two people experience anxiety the same way 
And so you have this character, Will, who's anxious the whole time, noticing the signs and trying to convey this to other people and everyone around him like, no, dude, you just you're just being too tense. Like, chill out. It's not a big deal. That's... They're like, we got to just drink this wine. You're being paranoid. Yeah, exactly. I, I mean, I think that that's why that the, the slow burn approach to a movie like this is so effective is because you need to have that time to kind of build up to everything. And then you have that, you know, those last 30 minutes, which is our big climax. We've been building all the way up to this, to the bloodbath at the end, which we're all expecting it feels, something. It feels deserved and worth it though. To yeah, like, definitely. Endure that hour. Yeah. Um, yeah. It changes the genre too. If they had started, if the dinner had gone bad, like, I don't know, halfway or even before halfway, it would have turned into like a slasher film. Well, they didn't even mm -hmm. get to the actual dinner until the last like 30 minutes. Right. Yeah. They spend a lot of time. I didn't even know they were going to have like a full dinner Me until either. they called them upstairs. I thought they were upstairs. all just hanging out. Because there's, we pointed it out. There's no cooking aside yeah. from her doing like one thing in a pan. Mm -hmm. But, like, they don't even show, like, people helping them. They just somehow had this food set up up top, which is ironically the only thing I questioned in this film. <laughs> was just like, what do you mean you didn't have, like, chefs there? It's because you're like, that would have been cold as fuck. Yeah, you want to eat some cold fucking meat and whatever else they had there? It was literally just meat and bread. And then there's some carrots. You know, some, some red meat. It's, <laughs> that's true. They had fucking carrots. Right, and they look very bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, we were pointed out, though, that Logan Marshall Green, the character that plays Will, conveys so much emotion with his face that you, you, could, you could just feel the tension in the air. He looks insane. He looks like he's, like, fucking having a breakdown. And his girlfriend, Kira, doesn't want to leave either. She's like, no, it'll be all right. And then the catalyst is not only that video, but the game they play where they start going around and telling people what they want. Oh, shit. Where the dude tells them about how he just murdered his wife. Yeah, no surprise that John Wayne Gacy just, like, manhandled his wife. He said he hit her so hard that she just buckled under her own weight and then hit her head on something and then just died because of head trauma. And everybody's like, uh, somebody even goes, what the fuck? After yeah. he finishes his story. How poetic is it that he's just beaten to death with something Also, well? yeah. Strong it was ass from wine head bottle. Trauma. Yes, yeah. shout out to Will's girlfriend for yeah. smacking some dude over the head. Okay, that death scene was very effective because I felt like he was actually getting murdered. Like he's just like, oh, like groaning, groaning. As I, uh, he's that was hit. probably one of the more chilling parts is that he kept trying to get up and fight back. Like he was not going to go down unless nope. you killed him. The other chick, the Sadie, mm -hmm. she like a uh, hundred. You could tell that she's she's there to fuck man she, oh yeah sadie yeah she even tried to come on to will at some yeah. point that was very awkward i i felt like that was a part of her plan mm -hmm. was to like hook up with him and then just kill herself and then it wouldn't matter because it didn't like if he has a girlfriend or not mm -hmm. but then it just completely backfires because he's like i don't know you and <laughs> just shuts her down and she's like oh okay and then from then on it looks like she's personally offended mm -hmm. about him denying she's her like, the guys at the retreat do this all the time i could make you like right you. Mm -hmm. that was okay so that ended up being way creepier than i think it should have been for that moment because she's like well i can make you like me and we we're like whoa I think you need to chill, like relax. Interesting role Just reversal too, because you typically wouldn't True. see female characters in such an aggressively like sexually dominant role, or like, yeah, I'm the one making the decisions. Yeah, they were definitely pushing. I think even Sadie does this whole spiel about how she just loves everybody. Yeah. Oh God, that was like so awkward to fucking. The watch. most awkward thing. She's like, I know I just barely met you, but I love all of you, and I need to tell you this. And she just looks so manic 
Um, I appreciated how they treated Will's anxiety and how it builds through the film and the sort of like visuals and auditory things that he's getting because they really make you root for him through the whole film. Like he is the character where you're like, he's not crazy. Like something is going on and you really are on his side up until you see Choi arrive and you're like, oh, dang, maybe he is crazy. Right. Something that was really interesting to hear is the play on time. There's a lot of moments when he's starting to figure things out that everything sort of slows down. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like that's very accurate to how a lot of times anxiety can go as you start to hyper focus on certain details and then everything else fades away. Also, a really real perspective on grief and yeah. how you deal with it, how at some point there are things that people they just can't help you with. And he even tells his girlfriend, he's like, I love you, but you can't help me with what's going on he's like my my son's dead where do i put that and then also the inclusion of the flashbacks in certain areas yeah oh yeah so you have the the... office that used to be his son's room um was it that i thought he went into the office i I thought the room was still the office but he saw it as his son's room oh i see okay then yeah i I misunderstood that section there but yeah you know having to go to the same spaces where you i I didn't pick up on that detail either because i thought he just went to go see his son's room i'm like oh they just left it the way yeah i thought they left it unchanged but Um, now but now justine's making me know that uh now the only it's, it's actually an office and it's the, a flashback. The only fun thing I know that happened on set was that Logan Marshall Green wanted to put something nice in the movie for Kusama. So all the letter blocks that are on the floor spell Kusama's name. Uh that he like made oh. him he made him write her name in that. I didn't even uh, notice that. I should yeah. go look at it. It's really fun. That's but, sweet. <laughs> yeah, right? What a nice guy. But for real though, he does have these flashbacks. It must be hard for someone to one not only lose their son but then their wife and then their home and to come back in that and after so long from i'm guessing he's a recovering alcoholic too probably yeah he was trying to yeah he was trying to avoid drinking uh (laughs) through the film and then they're like really insistent on that so they have a lot of social interactions between people that a lot of people end up encountering which is the idea of the sobriety now that you mentioned the um the wine and how they're encouraging everyone to drink and then they even brought out the coke for that one girl so is it ties into sort of that cult idea about getting people in a certain mind state to make them more pliable and more vulnerable yeah exactly so that was a part of it was there's always this rhetoric that happens in a group where they're trying to take control of people that involves something along the lines of if you do this then you will be free of whatever pain that you have and it's sort of an avoidance of mm-hmm. it and will even mentioned it to some people where he's like no you're trying to erase what happened instead of accepting whatever pain or trauma that's happening to and you. and this is similar to why a lot of people fall into substance abuse right because they're trying to dull some sort of their uh psychic psyche pain that they're experiencing whether it's trauma depression anger resentment they cover it up with drugs or drinks and and in the same way the cult functions the same way is they're offering a solution with community yeah with community um and then finally we have the climax of the film where they basically are going to drink the punch and then so great the, the kool-aid the kool-aid and the wife even has this moment is like really look at each other's faces and one girl drinks it and then fucking will just snaps and that's the moment you're like yeah he just knocks the glasses out of their hand don't drink I think it we all knew as soon as they bring out some mysterious liquid oh and, and it special... wasn't in a bottle either yeah it was in its own like little punch Ooh, bowl. that's true it really was <laughs> it was like a special like, if they brew. had offered me champagne from a bottle i wouldn't have thought twice about it 
But the fact that it was a pre-made drink that's being served in these fancy glasses, there's something significant about that specific drink. And it happened to tie straight into the whole Heaven's Gate. I think it was Heaven's Gate, right? With the drink the Kool-Aid? Uh, I think so. Or, or wasn't it the one with the comet? Or that's the same one. Yeah. That's the same one. Heaven's yeah. Gate. Yeah, you're right. Can you imagine being the dude that they said had to stay behind and like make an archive of all of their stuff? So that, that dude stayed behind, saw all these people kill themselves, and then decided to keep making archives of like all of their stuff. So he was just like sitting at a computer with all of this stuff and it's like left a, a record for everybody, which is so fucked. Oh, the Jonestown Massacre. Oh, that was the from, one? From November 18th, 1978. I think there were multiples that did make use of the poison. Yeah. This, I know Heaven's Gate did some sort of poisoning, and then Jonestown did, but not everybody wanted... Okay, Jonestown was pretty fucking brutal, because a lot of people did. And then 900. when people started seeing people dying, they were like, I don't want to do this anymore, and tried to run out. And so in response... Um, Who's the the leader for that cult? I forget his name. I could look it up, but uh, continue. Basically, he gets all of his like superiors, left-hand men, to go and start shooting the people that are trying to escape. Yikes. So it turned into a super bloody massacre, which actually is probably more representative of how this film went because he wanted it to be a peaceful ending. He wanted them to just poison themselves and die, you know, no hassle, really. And that's what they wanted in this time as well, is they wanted to poison them and just go peacefully. But they had their plan B. Which oh, was shooting and yeah. stabbing everybody. So uh, the cult member or leader that you're talking about is Jim Jones. Jim Jones, yep. yeah. Hence why it's known as Jonestown unofficially. Yeah. It's a derogatory term for the town now. Ooh, mm. that sucks. Yeah. Um, I do feel like for the film and for the... So we saw... We get to see a video of the idea that this guy has about uh, the cult they're joining and what they're supposed to be feeling. I do think that they misunderstood what he was trying to tell them as far as like how they're supposed to feel about that pain that they're experiencing. Like they, I think in their minds they were like, yeah, obviously we need to kill ourselves and then we won't feel pain anymore. But like the point that he makes in the video, which is interesting because now you're like, like some of it makes sense where he's saying, Oh no, what he was saying is you don't need to be afraid of that moment of when you, when you actually get to the point that you're dying, but it's unclear on whether or not he made people drink poison to kill themselves, or if the woman in the video was already dying. Yeah, or if or if the people in the cold are just misinterpreting the the actual yeah, lesson. What he's, yeah, the lesson of what he's telling them, and so they're like, obviously we need to end all of these people's pain by killing them, when what, I don't think that was the point of it to begin with. What I do give props on is that they didn't have like a, a sanctuary that they, they called out, because usually cult films would be like, we have to go to sanctuary, or we have to get to such and such whatever right. their version of heaven is yeah so i appreciate that um i did also like that the uh wife has a lot of regret at the end of it but some i i didn't understand why she shot herself in the stomach though i thought she was gonna go for the brain mm. you know because that's just like a like you know you're gonna suffer at that point i think that was the point is that she wanted to suffer because she had been denying this pain and this grief oh, that's that fair. she had for her child dang she and now she's gone and caused suffering for all of these people and then she was like yeah i want to slow bleed out death by shooting myself in the stomach because i deserve to suffer yo low-key i would have left her ass in the house not gonna lie mm -hmm. but yeah. she's like can you well, take me outside no fuck no oh you're gonna stay that's in really the house symbol and symbolic though because yeah. she's actually shooting her 
her stomach where her son was. Right. Yeah. Shit. Yeah. Which was sort of the source <sighs> of all of this in the first place as she was getting over the grief of her son. Ooh. Went and joined yeah. this cult. She also then... gets blood all over her hands, so the yeah. literal blood on your hands analogy happens too. <laughs> and to to talk about your point, I would have left her there too. I would have given her to the bird. <laughs> she hey. fucking staying on the floor. But the gay guy made it. Yeah. True. The gay guy, the black girl. And the guy who knew it was going on the whole time actually made Man. it out of the film. Well, but did they? Yeah. Because that's where the ending comes in, which is probably one of the more chilling parts of the movie. It's a larger conspiracy. Yeah, it wasn't just an isolated incident. You get outside, and then all of a sudden you hear the screaming, you hear the helicopters. Gunshots. You hear gunshots, you hear police sirens everywhere, and you look out into the hills and you see a dozen little red lights. This is like, a, what is it, Us? Yeah. yeah. From, it gave me major yeah, us vibes. Because you find out that, oh, all there's there's doppelgangers of everybody who are killing their other versions of themselves, which is also something that we've explored before. So This is what makes this is what makes good horror though, is like this vagueness. Mm-hmm. Where not every single thing is blatantly explained to you or discussed. You kind of you kind of put pieces together and you let your imagination kind of dig deep into how horrible this could actually be. Like, what is the level of terrible that's going on here? Yeah. Well, so oh, go I, ahead. I wanted to bring it up, but the thing is, uh, they even mention it in the in the uh, before they play the video that the invitation is a group of thousands of people within New York, L.A., Montreal, et cetera, et cetera. So this is just the this is just the West Hollywood version, right? This is yeah. just the West this Hollywood has to branch. Have happened you know? in a lot of places. And so within that universe they've created in the in the film, a lot of people probably died on that day. You know, why is it always the rich, affluent people that be doing some shit like this? It, they're usually the ones to go to Mexico to join a cult. It's, <laughs> it's called self-healing. <laughs> God. I mean, I guess. How much are you paying them? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so did the ending pay off for you then? Do you guys feel like that was a really good way to end it? I, I felt like uh it was worth it for that ending shot for sure. What do you think the what do you think why a red lantern? Like why do you think she chose that? What is the significance of a red lantern? Well, Justine brought it up when we talked about it a couple days ago. She thought it symbolized uh, a spirit leaving um, mm. prior, but then when we know it is a beacon, it kind of gets a different meaning to it. Mm-hmm. Some sort of like unifi- unifying thing in a way, because I think that was mm. sort of the the goal of killing everybody is they would be unified in heaven. But definitely, a lot of times when we light lights, it's to guide spirits to a certain place. And so, so, so you're thinking it's more of like a nice offering for your guests yeah. before you do this vile thing, and a way to connect all of these deaths together and unify them. It's sort of like their ritual send off thing. Sending them to the right place. Dang. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I well, I think it kind of unifies the cult and it makes it, this is bigger than just this group of people mm-hmm. is what is what it really does. It, it's showing you the scale of how big this cult has grown and how, oh, shit, it's all everywhere around me now. Oh, no. Well, it's sort of sort of deal. Uh, I do also want to point out that although uh, Karen Kusama is like not Chinese, um, I believe she's Japanese. Um, there is this idea of the Red Lantern in certain Asian cultures, which usually represents the like wealth, the like affluence 
like they'll usually have those in really rich homes and so this could have been the, a sign that all the people who were involved were in fact all the people in the hills who are rich i mean i think that also ties into a lot of conspiracies i wouldn't even say they're conspiracies at this point about global elites and wealthy affluent people yes. being involved in some sort of cult that's allowing them to achieve this certain status uh, so I think this is sort of a call to that, which is probably a part of reason why it flopped is because not a lot of people were aware of this sort of culture that exists within a lot of these communities, like the Hollywood community, bankers community, a anywhere that is in control of a lot of distribution, a lot of money. It's not until like the later years, like 2019 plus, where people are like, wait, this shit doesn't seem right. Yeah. And so, like, I feel and like you start if, looking into things and you start to notice there's right, a, a lot, lot of strange things. People that are, are doing research now. Yeah. Which is, like, super cool to see. And you can do a minor amount of research and come to an interesting conclusion. Well, maybe not a full conclusion, but it'll lead you down a rabbit hole for sure. So, do you think if this movie would have come out, like, say, like, I don't know, more recently, it kind of probably would have done better? Yeah. Like, I know 2020 wasn't a good year for movies, obviously, because no one could go to the theaters. But I think if it had come around that time, and actually had like a release on a lot of major streaming services like Netflix, HBO. Like I think it would have gotten a much bigger revenue than what it did. I think a lot more people would be yeah. interested in something like this. I agree. Also, given the climate that people were in, everyone was in a lot of panic and a lot of fear. And I think they could find a lot of things to relate to in this movie because this is gaslighting and anxiety, the movie, which I feel like a lot of people have been experiencing the last few years. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Especially if you're believing the whole time that what you believe is right mm -hmm. and then you have all of you be like no that's not correct and we of course have the most prominent uh, uh example of this in our politics where both sides of whatever democrat republican thinks that they're right about something mm -hmm. when the reality is that you need to be somewhere more in the middle uh-huh and there's a lot of unifying evils that you see within these communities yeah for I real mean, just think about what's going along with the Ghislaine maxwell trial oh, yeah and all of the really prominent figures she's been calling out as being involved in this conspiracy which i don't think we can even call it a conspiracy at this point no legit it's the yeah, thing that happened crimes yeah. oh yeah <laughs> that's kind of the wild part of it too is that we've basically confirmed that there were several uh rich people who were involved with the sex trafficking ring including two notable presidents yeah well i'm really not surprised about the presidents but yeah me uh, either we've been knowing that yeah but... we've kind of been knowing stuff like that but now it's like what do you do with that info and if it's going to get buried like usually they do with i hope it, i hope it's big enough that they can't bury it at this yeah point. I hope because the they've monsters had enough gotten I, too I, big I, I kind of think that's where it's at at this point mm. they're doing what they, they can to, but I it's mean, not gonna work not to be all tinfoil hat but i mean <laughs> they tried to subdue it with jeffrey mm -hmm. yeah when obviously i don't Murdered know you know himself. he killed himself quote unquote but it's way too convenient for him to die well everyone's always like if this girl quote unquote suicides yeah, I'm riding. Yeah, it, I'm riding in the literally, streets. Literally, yeah. If we find out that she's dead in the next couple of days, that'll be very really disturbing for all of us to know that that was going to happen. Uh, mm -hmm. My favorite conspiracy theory, quote unquote conspiracy theory, is whether or not uh, uh, the Clintons are involved. A lot of killings. Oh, <laughs> I believe it. Easily I believe one of my favorite ones because there's just so much. Family. Yeah, but it just goes to show that there is this secret life of people that hold these positions of power, right. and a lot of it can be led to speculation, but a lot of it is solidified in fact and evidence now. That there is this sort of cult-like community that exists within the political world. Rituals are always being cast. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So. Did you guys have a favorite scene? Damn you, motherfucker. <laughs> 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 you 
season, baby. Let's go. Tell me, <laughs> tell me your favorite fucking scene. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Okay. Why are you guys looking at me? Because you got to have one yeah. ready. Now I, after that, now I feel yeah, like call, now yeah, I you, feel you like called no. out John. Yeah. And now, now we're all looking at you. Yeah, you my, got it. I think my favorite scene is when uh, he finally gets the uh, he finally gets the call or the voicemail from Troy. Troy, and he goes upstairs. He's like, "So where's Troy, huh?" Where the fuck is he? Literally like, does not like want to go. And he's like, why are we all acting so fucking polite? I was like, oh, this guy's going off right now. I love it. It was just a great uh, payoff for a lot of uh, tension and anxiety where I was just like, can someone fucking say something, please? And he just took it and ran with it. It's tough for me to pick a favorite scene because I feel like it was yeah. all it was all so like condensed that a lot of it is like these scenes are like build up scenes. Right. These scenes are here to show you um, anxiety. I mean, I like a lot of the, I mean, a lot of my favorite parts, I think, are usually when Will is like uh, flashing back to his past. Mm-hmm. So we get to learn a little bit more of what he's going through. Why is he acting the way that he is? Because if you didn't have any of that, then he might just be seen as the crazy guy until more information is given to the viewers. So yeah, a lot of the flashback scenes are probably some of my favorites because you really get that feeling of, I don't know, anxiety, grief, yeah, I, depression. I have a difficult time picking a scene, too, because I did really like the flashbacks and how they tied into his personal experience of the house that he's in now. Um, but I think probably one of my favorite moments was when they bring out the Kool-Aid, because I think that was sort of like the boiling point. Like there was some hints and suspicious things before that were obviously suspicious, but I think bringing out that drink was sort of like that was the symbol that he was looking for that was the sign to know that this is this is not okay because we all know drink the kool-aid or don't drink the kool-aid that's something that's very culturally recognized because the massacres that occurred in that way were absolutely horrible and not something you could easily forget but as soon as you see that you're like no this is there's something wrong here then everything just explodes after that it was a really great moment because all of that anxiety was finally resolved in a way I mean, of course, there's still anxiety while someone's trying to kill you, but you just know that you're not crazy in that point. You know that there is something wrong. Uh, Yeah. um, Kusama mentions that a big theme of the movie was this idea that people are out to get you. That's they're going to hurt you some way and somehow. And that is the main idea or the main feeling behind anxiety. Sometimes people get anxiety for no reason other than you think something bad is going to happen, but you don't know what and you have to be prepared for it. And so the scenes where Will is experiencing his anxiety at the table or any other place is probably one of the most realistic views you've gotten in film because everything becomes overwhelming. Things are loud. You can hardly handle any of this like sensory things that are coming into you. And that is like the typical like signifier of the overload is something like that. And he's also dealing with some heavy grief from losing his child. So that all worked really well where he raised that. Yeah. He's having to revisit his trauma and they do it in this way where you go with him. And so that's why you end up kind of pairing up with him in the movie being like, you understand what he's going through. So those moments work really well. Um, When he is like observing what's going on, I feel like everybody kind of has these moments sometimes where you think you're like figuring things out, but no one else. Yeah. I think his, uh, the quiet moments with him are my favorites because these are moments like when you want to tell people things, but they don't believe you. And this really gets into the idea of the gaslighting portion of the film, which is essentially that everybody thinks that he is experiencing his grief and is not understanding what's going on around him. And I think at one point he even tells the husband, he's like, don't patronize me. Like, 
you know, I'm not like just some person who's damaged and like you're going to tell me like everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Because they keep telling him that. They're like, oh, everything's going to be fine. It's going to be okay. And then it literally isn't towards the end of the film. And then he gets sort of like this. Uh, it's like a small sense of justice where you're like, yes, he is actually not crazy and is the only sane person in this house. So to see him freak out on them was also really funny because you confront like this is sort of confronting the idea of the like um, the like politics that comes around people's behavior around somebody who's dealt with trauma where they treat them very delicately. Mm-hmm. Where they like try to approach someone and be like, oh, hey, I know like you're sad. And like they don't want to approach the real conversation that Will does with his girlfriend where he's like, I don't think anybody's going to help me with these kinds of things. So I think a lot of it came from Kusama's script like the or like the, the script her husband wrote and also the way that she told them to act around each other. So really a good piece for um, for Will and for the uh, for the guy who did it, uh, Logan Marshall Green. This is like one of his best movies, I think for how you displayed how you should be feeling in these moments. And then the soundscape is amazing while you're listening to it. You hardly notice that there is like music or anything, but they put in moments that get you tense when you're watching it. And that's a really good addition to what you're watching. So I, I liked I it a lot. Yeah. Rating. I'd probably give it like a nine. It's pretty highly rated. I think the only thing that didn't make it perfect was that, um, I feel like there was stuff that was just a bit too vague and I would like to know more about it, but that's just a personal thing. I also want to give it a nine. I don't know. It's kind of a 10 in my mind, but there's still something I can't quite put my finger finger on it. That just seems almost unsatisfying. I think I, I just wanted more of a personal connection with some of the characters. I think maybe that would have added the extra point, but also, I do appreciate the vagueness and how disconnected you kind of are from everybody. You're more involved in the situation and the feeling uh, of what's going on. You're kind of a watcher. Yeah. Like, you really aren't. You don't get any backstory for any of the other characters. Yeah, and that's something that makes it even more anxiety-ridden is that you, don't you are them. sort of, yeah, you're on the outside looking in. You're a voyeur in this situation. Yeah, And there's real. nothing you can do about anything. And maybe you know what's going on or you can put together the pieces because you have a broader perspective. But... What you say and what you think doesn't matter. Hey, my vape really quick. <laughs> um, so I'm leaning on like a 7.5 or an 8 for this one. Not because I don't think that it does everything well, but like Justine was saying, there's just something, and I can't put my finger on it, but there's just something missing from the movie. There's mm-hmm. something that it needs... Maybe it's a little bit more character development on the friends and the connection that they have. Because at a certain point, you kind of don't care that they're dead. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, exactly. You kind of like don't, if you're... I had known this is your buddy from college or you guys went to high school together, I would have been like, oh, wow, that sucks that he's dead now. Yeah, you have no you have no flashbacks besides the one that Will experiences about yeah. the son's uh, death during that yeah. day. And at the very end, you get the little connection with the gay friend yeah. where they hug it out. And you're like, that's like the only like significantly really friendly thing I think them done. True. Other than like the conversation they have a little earlier where he's like, dude, what's going on, man? Everything here is fine. It's not. But, you know, it, 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 yeah, that and that's kind of why. But I, I really did like the movie, though, a lot. So. Uh, this was directed by Kusama, so two out of ten. No, I'm oh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to give this a solid uh, 8.5 to 9. Nice. Um, I think what is presented is really strong. Uh, I love the soundtrack and the original score that they have for this movie. 
The tension is right, and the cinematography is excellent. There were no shots that I felt were like kind of wasted, except this is the one point, and John even talked about it, the vagueness of like some certain scenes. I but I kind of like it, so it kind of gives it that boost for me from an eight point five to a nine. Yeah. We don't see how the kid dies from a baseball bat. Well, yeah. so so Kusama has been noted on several interviews that she expects people who are watching things to be smart enough to put together what she's put on <laughs> the screen. That's asking for a Fuck. lot. <laughs> and, and people have said, yeah. you know, that's that's expecting a lot from people who do not do what she does, which is making film and analyzing stuff. So if you show a person who just watches movies for entertainment and no other reason, sometimes things like this will get missed. And so it ends up being a film that they're not sure about. Also, the fact that most uh, people who are teaching how to make film in recent days are the ones that I've experienced. They don't like longer stories. They don't like things that are very clear. And if you ever propose something that's vague, it usually is met with people who are like, no, I don't want it to be this way. They want concrete details. They want details or they want it to end a certain way where like even her ending is vague. You don't know if they escaped that neighborhood. No, that's the thing. They could they could be out yeah. in the house, but who says that someone from another house can't get them? Yeah. And so you get these kinds of ideas where she wanted it to be like that because even the film that she got influenced from, Let the Right One In, this is a very terrible, sad ending. <laughs> and for that so there's not really any sort of resolution and she wanted it that way because these are the emotions that you deal with and most of the time you don't ever get rid of them and it's good that it doesn't warrant a sequel true yeah i'm glad i'm, I'm glad it ends on that well day. i feel like somebody would try but she wouldn't let it happen yeah it doesn't need it's meant it. it's to a, be a standalone it's a very well-wrapped movie definitely so this is going to be it get your coats and hats we're going to be heading out thank you for uh, listening tonight oh yeah I got my shoes. I got my sandals. I got my scarf. So this is the start of the new season, so get ready for more content from all of us. Uh, but who are we? We are Bringing Down the Grindhouse, a podcast where we just discuss horror <laughs> in media. Uh, if you would like to support us, check out our Patreon or for $2 a month. We do recommend a piece of horror media, as well as get access to all of our bonus content and other shows. Uh, make sure to check out our Teespring where we have merch us in chibi form featured on t-shirts and well as cups. awesome um, also make sure to check out the socials the facebook the twitters and the instagrams uh, follow us on there and leave a comment or tell us what you think fight with us maybe give wish us a happy new year we're lonely uh, <laughs> <laughs> please and i think that's that's basically it right yep. we're just gonna have newer stuff coming out so expect a wider range of content to be like uh, coming down in the pipeline we got more music episodes video game episodes book episodes we got tv series we got anime yeah we got all kinds of shit to talk about and it's really cool to start the new season off right and that's basically it give us a follow on spotify or apple podcast so you will be notified when this new shit oh yeah also leave us a review anywhere you can apple podcast yeah because it helps us get viewed more easily and it's always good to have higher yeah. <laughs> we love you guys happy new year happy, happy new, new year, year. 2022 i'm mitch i'm Murph. i'm justine and i'm jonathan thank you Woo.